Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, you can look. We used this verse last week. I'm going to continue in the, the thought from the launch end of this verse. It says, set your mind, amplified translation, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. Set your mind. I changed that a little bit and said reset, because if my mind's set on something else, I need to reset it to where God wants me to be. It's like changing the channel, changing the radio station. Whatever frequency I'm picking up, whatever information I'm gathering, if it's not in alignment with the Word of God, I need to change the channel. I need to reset my focus. I need to reset my thinking. Because what we feed grows, what we starve diminishes. And if I'm feeling overwhelmed, maybe I'm setting my focus and information on something that's bringing that fear. And it is, oh, I need to know that. Well, maybe not. Maybe you know enough. And now let's get into the Word of God. How you doing, my friend? And begin to see what God is saying to us. Reset. Reset. Reset our thinking. Amen. And we've tied that into the power of thanksgiving. Because being thankful doesn't mean everything's perfect. Can I get an amen? amen. Have you ever talked to somebody in, in, in conversation and everything they focus on and communicate and articulate is something, the reason why they are not thankful? And basically they're complaining. Right. The negativity. We see in Scripture when, when God had done all the, the amazing miracles, destroyed the, the enemies of Israel, brought, broke their back, restored the finances, restored their health on their journey to the promised land. In the process, say in the process. Now, not, not anybody really, most people don't like processes. We like results. And if you don't believe me, go through your attic, your closet, under your bed, and find all the things you bought on an infomercial that promise you in 90 days you could be totally different. Come on. You too could look like this in only two weeks. Why? We don't want the process. We want the results. But in the journey, because we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience, in the journey, they begin to complain of what God had yet to do. And, and they're complaining about what God had yet to do. And notice what they had not seen God do yet. They don't know what God's plans were. But every time they complained, God said, okay, I'll, I'll meet that need too. And finally got to the place that they kept complaining about God. And God said, tell, told Moses, tell the people that I've heard their complaints against me. They thought they were complaining about people. They thought they were complaining about the situation. God said, they're complaining about me. And they keep saying that I brought them out to die. Let them know that I've heard their complaints and I'll make what they've said happen. So instead of focusing on what God had done and what God was doing, even though they didn't see it, and what they can trust God to do before they even got there, their focus was on the negativity, seeing the glass half empty instead of the glass half full. And instead of saying, God, we want to thank you that we don't have to wake up and get, and make, uh, get straw and make some bricks today. We don't have to be in the heat of the day, sweating and getting beaten. We don't have to be starved today. Father, I thank you. We woke up and every one of us is here. We don't have to deal with infirmities today. Father, I thank you that we don't have to work, live with poverty before like we did before, because now we have the, the wealth of Egypt with us. Father, instead of waking up and saying, Lord, look at all the things you've done. Lord, we don't have to worry about the enemy chasing us down and finding us and living under the radar because we don't want anybody to catch us because they're going to try to imprison us again. Father, I thank you that you've defeated and broke the back and destroyed our enemies who were chasing. They had a lot of things to be thankful for. They could have written songs every day about the things that God had done. Father, I thank you. And go through all the things that God had done. Father, I thank you 
that when the enemy was trying to kill, the, when the death angel came, we applied the blood and our firstborn is with us. I thank you, Father God. The firstborn is not only an, an, a connection to the family, which is obvious to our society. We understand having children and we want them to live. But it's also connection. Listen to me. The firstborn was the continuation of a blessing. Because the blessing went to the firstborn, to the first male. And the blessing wasn't just money. The blessing was the rights to manage the resources of the father. Oh, come on, somebody. Because the person who got the blessing was the one that was making the decisions. The person that had the blessing was the one redirecting the resources. The one that had the blessing was the one in charge. What was the enemy trying to do? He was not only trying to kill them, he was trying to keep them from ever being in their position of authority that rightfully belonged to them from heaven. Come on, somebody. We're going to get into this thing this morning. Because the tactic of the enemy is to try to not get you. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's not only trying to kill you. He's trying to keep every generation behind you from ever stepping into the rightful authority that God has for them. They'll walk around through life being so passive and accepting. Well, this is the cards I've been dealt. This is the way it is. And I'm telling you, there's something that's got to be stirred on the inside that comes from the Word of God and the anointing of God and says enough is enough. That's maybe where I have been. That's maybe all I have seen. But all of a sudden, from the Word of God, I begin to see the reflection of who God's called me to be. And I'm not called to be passive. I'm not called to be weak. I'm not called. You're not called to just accept whatever comes to you. You're called to be a child of God to rise up and say, wait a minute. This is what the enemy is knocking at my door, but I'm not answering that door today. I'm only answering when I hear the voice of my master. Jesus said, I knock Revelation 3, and if you hear my voice and open up, I'm coming in. Lord, when you are speaking, that's what I'm going to accept. What he is saying, that's what I'm welcoming in. we got to quit welcoming and inviting and embracing everything that knocks on the door of life. It's okay to say, wait a minute, click, the door's locked. Sorry, I'm not letting you in. Jesus said, if you hear my voice while I'm knocking, I don't open just, we teach kids, don't open just because someone's knocking. What do you do? You ask, who is it? We just open the door to every idea. If we're not careful, we'll open the door to every religious thought. The Bible says that they can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Just because there's a doctrine out there doesn't mean you need to embrace it. Just because there's a teaching out there doesn't mean you need to live to it. What do you do? Challenge everything with the Word of God. Can I get a little more base, a little less thinness up here? Challenge everything with the Word of God. And you begin to say, they're telling me, everybody, this is a a trending idea. This is a cool idea. might be a cool idea, but if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you can say, it's not the idea for me. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Come on, somebody. And we got to be able to look at the reality and say, listen, just because it not, I don't have to answer. Why? Because you have authority. Shout, I have authority. Come on. Shout, I have authority. It doesn't mean you won't fight it. It doesn't mean it won't try to stay around. But you have an authority to fight against the enemy. Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You have authority. You have authority. You have a right to say, no, I will not be an addict to that. No, I will not allow my mind to be corrupted by that. No, I don't have to be stuck in pornography or drug addiction. No, I don't have to live with racism and hatred. No, I don't have to live like that. I don't have to pretend something 
something I'm not. I can be who God called me to be. And when the enemy knocks on the door and says, don't you want to go there? Say, nope, that's not what the word says. And if it's not in the word, I'm not answering it. I don't have to respond to it. It's too insignificant for me even to fight sometimes. Come on. It's like a two-year-old going up to a grown man and saying, I can beat you up. Oh, uh, yeah, you're cute. And you just walk on. Why? Because you're not threatened by that. Right. You're not threatened by that. You know your ability. You know, and you don't even know who that kid is. So you know what you You just step away. Some of you want to kick him, but you can't do that. <laughs> unless, it's the, unless it's the demon. Come on, somebody. Then the devil's under our feet. Right. Sometimes we give the devil so much attention and time in the routine of our lives. Instead of so focusing on what he's doing, why don't we just spend time focusing on who God is? Father, I thank you. When I was in slavery, you delivered me. When I was in bondage, you delivered me. When I was in poverty, you delivered me. When I was, when I was sick, you delivered me. Father God, I thank you that you have moved me out of the worst place and you are bringing me to a God place. How many people have joined with me in the clap of 30 seconds saying, I'm on my journey to God's place that he has for me. That's a promised land. The place that God has for you. The place that God has. Don't just accept what the doctor says. Rise up and say, no, that's what he says. I'm going to my place of promise. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Giving thanks helps us refocus on some things. Amen. It helps us. Last week we talked about how it gets us to renew our reaction. So we don't have to react some of us, we came out of, the, out of the storms of fire, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They came out of the fiery furnace. But the Bible says that not only was Jesus with them, mm, that'll preach. Not only did they come out, that'll preach. Not only did the people that threw them into their enemy saw it and were converted, that'll preach. But the Bible says that they came out not even smelling like smoke. We're going to stay there for a few seconds. Because it's just, it's praise God you came through the fire. Maybe you had cancer, you went through a process, and now you don't have cancer. You went through the fire, and God delivered you. But there's another thing that's even better than just getting through the fire. It's not smelling like smoke. We don't need, as Christians, we don't need to be living under the fear of it's going to come back. We don't need to live under the fear every time the phone rings, it's bad news. We don't need to live under the fear that someone calls you and says, oh, no, what's happened now? Have you ever had that knee-jerk reaction? You don't even think about it consciously. It's just a reaction that comes out of you. You begin to say or begin to feel something because of an experience of the past. Maybe someone asks you out on a date and you're single, but the last 10 dates have been horrible. And you're like, I'm not going through that again. And what happens? We allow the past pain, the past experience to affect and reshape us and the bible says to be not conformed romans 12 be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind we have the right say i have a right to come out of the fire and not smell like smoke you got to say to say i have the right to come out of the fire and not smell like smoke come on give him a praise if you believe that Hallelujah. I'm going to go to a different text, which I believe I'll wrap it up and bring it to the context of what we're talking about in Thanksgiving. It comes out of Genesis 26, verse 18. I'm going to read the Amplified Translation, 18 through 20. Because we not only need to notice that Thanksgiving resets our reaction. Are you listening? Yes. Giving thanks refocuses our priorities. Genesis 26. Now Isaac, 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac. Now, Isaac, again, dug and reopened the wells of water which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, because of the Philistines had filled them up with dirt. Who did that? Philistine. The Philistines. What did they do? Filled Abraham's wells up with dirt. After the when? After the death of Abraham. So after the death of Abraham, the Philistines, the enemy of covenant, and the Philistines represented the carnal system, the world system. The Philistines filled up the wells of Abraham after he died with dirt. And dirt represents always, in Scripture, dirt represents the flesh. And he gave the wells the same names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well flowing of spring water. Let me read that again. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, That water is ours. So Isaac named the well Isaac quarreling because they quarreled with him. He had opposition. I want to bring in three things. First of all, the backstory of Abraham and wells, which was, you got to keep in mind here, we don't think much of wells. If you drink a well water today, it's probably not a good thing. But if you had water from a well back in this time frame, it was an amazing thing. Because the life of water dictated everything. If you're going to plant crops, you need water. No matter if you have seed, if you don't have water, that seed's not going to produce. It was so important that that was a part of even down the road of Israel's ceremonies, praying for God to bless them with water. And so Abraham, in that time frame, what would happen is people that had livestock, is they would have to move their livestock every day to find water. And they would stay there, and then they have to go to the next place and find water. And so the journey for them to exist was the journey to keep finding new water. As a result, something would happen. When you take a bunch of animals and you walk them every day all day just to find water, their muscles are going to get stronger. They're going to get skinnier because they're looking for water. God gave a revelation to Abraham. I want you to start digging for wells. Now, when you begin to access wells and find wells, you know what immediately changes? Your economy. Because now Abraham doesn't have to move his cattle and his livestock. He can keep them in one place, and they can graze, and he can give them water. You know what happens when you don't move and you just sit and eat and drink? Come on, Thanksgiving just happens. Don't, let, let me help you. Don't get discouraged. Don't stand on the scale for at least two weeks. You know I mean, don't even think about it. Just walk right by it, put it away, hide it. Because if you don't do anything and you eat and you sit around and rest and drink, what's going to happen? And when it comes to cattle, you want them fat. I just bought a half a cow. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting, that whole dynamic, if you've never done it. And you can get the, the meat per pound a lot cheaper than going to the grocery store. I ended up paying, I bought half because I didn't have room for a full. Maybe I need to get more freezers. But anyway, I bought half a cow. And so they're like, oh, it's going to be $4 a, uh, a pound. But that's for everything, hamburger, steaks, the whole nine yards. I thought, hmm, that seems a little high because my brother told me what he got it for. Have you ever noticed something's of great value based on who else is around you? <laughs> Perspectives can change quickly. He's like, man, I paid X amount of dollars. I'm like, really? That's a lot cheaper than what I'm... Same company, too. 
And then I happen to go online and look at what they're selling it at the grocery store. And some of that stuff's $10 a pound. All of a sudden, I'm feeling better about myself. It's not $2 a pound what he paid, but it was not $10 a pound what I could be paying. And so one of the things they do, and it's definitely a learning lesson, and so you, know, you call, you get it set up. Uh, they said, okay, it, it's not like you can buy it and they'll ship it. They're like, okay, we'll uh, get the cow ready. We have to make sure we have somebody on the, the other half, and they got that set up. And they said, it'll take a, uh, probably about a month. I'm like, why does it take a month? Well, because we want to fatten them up. So they pick out the cow, and they bring it in, and it doesn't do anything now, but they just force feed it because they want it fattened up, which mean, makes sense because they're selling it to me per pound. Be careful when someone's trying to fatten you up. I don't know why somebody is. <laughs> we say butter up. You know, if someone's trying to fatten you up, they yeah, might have different intentions. So you wonder what goes through a cow's mind. I know animals can think a certain logic, and I don't know the intelligence of a cow. But I don't know if they're going, hey, guys, see you later. I'm doing good. All the food I can eat. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know how I got down this road. I just find myself in <laughs> cows. And so, yeah, and so when you sell a cow, the more, the, the fatter it is, or beef, the fatter it is, the better it is. And so going through that process, Abraham, because he had wells, his animals didn't have to move around. So all of a sudden, immediately, he could get more money for his than anybody else's. Right. Secondly, because he didn't have to move around all the time, Everybody who wanted to buy something knew where he was at. Because the others, they had to keep finding because they kept moving. Right. Can you imagine having a, a business and every, every day it's at a different location? But someone's at a good location called accessibility. You know, three rules of business is always location, location, location. And so Abraham now also had a, a different marketing idea that nobody else thought of. He could stay in one place and people came to him. So as a result, he continued to explode and multiply. It was a God idea for a practical application to fulfill a spiritual destiny. All right, all right. Some of us think God's just going to drop everything out of the air. You said you blessed me. <laughs> and you wait for the truck of heaven, beep, beep, back up, and it doesn't back up, and you don't know why. No, God uses practical methods to create supernatural destinations. Amen. We see that in the Word of God. Given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall. It didn't say angels. Praise God for angels. It said God uses people to bless you. Oh, I'm blessing for increase. I want a 20% increase. And your boss at, uh, says, hey, I got some overtime. You want it? Mm-mm, I'm praying for increase. Come on, somebody. Okay, so that was the context, the backstory of Abraham. So Abraham's got these wells, this new revelation from the Lord connected to the blessing of God bringing into his life. The well in our conversation today is just not a water. Jesus used natural things to describe spiritual things. He said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. I'm defining wells as what God provides that, that connects us to him, to his presence that brings a refreshing life and blessing into our lives and the lives of those around us. 
It's the secret thing that God knew all along. Can you imagine God knowing everything, past, present, and future? If they sent you back, I love movies. I like time travel movies. Can you imagine going back in time and them trying to solve a problem and you're like, I got so many ideas that are way ahead of you. You can't even, you know what I mean? I can't talk about a, a, a whole system here. Let me, let me break it down to where you're at. Let's try a well. God has so, many, so much information, so much knowledge that we have yet to receive. We think that we've heard everything God has to say, and we know everything that God's going to do. And God, I wonder if he's, the Father sits in heaven going, there is so much more. Oh, wait a minute, it does say that. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he reveals them to us by his spirit. And so when we get a revelation, all of a sudden we can see what God is saying to us that he has for us, just like he did Abraham. Abraham, here is something I'm going to give you. People haven't used it. People don't know it. It's going to make you cutting edge. It's going to advance you above the rest. It's going to bring you into the destiny I promised you. And what you did not know, I'm beginning to reveal to you. And all of a sudden, it was a moment of revelation for Abraham. Stay with me. It was a moment of revelation for Abraham. It was a moment of revelation for Abraham. But to Isaac, it had always been. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. The secrets of God. God has secrets. They're mysteries that Paul talks about. The secrets of God belong to the Lord, but the things revealed. When he reveals his secrets, now we have ownership. But the ownership doesn't stop with you. It's the, it goes to you and your children. Amen. And your children. Yes. That's what I want to focus on today. And your children. And some of you, it's to you, even though you have children. But I want to talk to the second generation, third generation, and fourth generation of the one who received the revelation I'm, i got to wheel you slowly into this boat. Because when we become the automatic inheritance receivers, benefactors, beneficiaries of the blessing, we didn't receive the revelation. We just received the benefits of the revelation. And Isaac was a receiver of the benefit of a revelation that God gave Abraham. Stay with me. And what I, I have a few questions to ask Isaac and a challenge for all of us. Number one is, why did Isaac allow the Philistines to put dirt in Abraham's well? He was the receiver of the inheritance. He was the firstborn of that seed. He was the one that the promise was promised to. Not to Ishmael, but to Isaac. So the blessing went to Isaac. So as a result of the blessing, he inherited the blessing when? When Abraham died. And so everything came under his authority when Abraham, his father, died. Are you with me? I might be going slow to some, but stay with me. When it went under his inheritance, the Philistines had somehow figured out, we can't do this while Abraham's alive. But now that he's dead, let's put dirt in his well. What's my first point I want to draw out of three? Number one. When we learn to maintain thanksgiving, it will create a value system in what has been received, an honor system of the price that has been paid by generations before. Do you know why, what happens to some generations? And this is just not only personal, this is global. You can see this in, in, in nations. You can see this in denominations. John Wesley never would have looked at the modern-day Methodists, say, God bless the Methodists. John, say, God bless the Methodists. 
the, the originator of the Methodist, the, the Methodist religion would have never looked at it today and said, that's what I saw. They have changed. It was a firehouse at the beginning. And one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation had lost it. Why? Because we lose value and honor of what has been, the price has been paid on by prior generations. One of the things that we just released out of, in honor of my parents who pastored Hope Church for 38 years and the church celebrating 60 years a couple months ago, we released a book that they had written many years ago. And I thought, you know, it's time. We need to take that out of honor and respect and to put it in book form and release it and have that available for people. And if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. It's $25, or gift of $25 or more, and the proceeds are going to the Philippines, our missions, not to anybody else. And so, but as I begin to read it myself, you know one of the things that just stirred in my heart? Their passion and the price they were willing to pay. Do you know when we don't dig wells? When we've always had a well next to us. We begin to think that this is great, this is a blessing, and we don't need to do anymore, we don't have to go anymore, we, we've got everything we need. And if we're not careful, we will devalue the revelations of past generations, and some of the hardest people to deal with when it comes even to the move of the Spirit are not people that just got saved, it's people that are sons and daughters of Pentecost that have been around the move of God their whole lives and they think this is common, this is no big deal, and they allow the world to pollute the well and they find themselves one day no longer accessing the refreshing well that had been planted by their fathers before. Because wells, are you listening? Wells just don't show up. They have to be dug. Am I going too deep for some of you? You're like Sunday morning, can we? The Bible tells us draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Find me somebody that's, that has had, not just secondary there, and praise God, praise God. I, I'm in that generation that there is wells that I did not have to dig. And if we're not careful, we will allow the world to pollute it with carnality thinking because the carnal mind, 1 Corinthians 2 tells us, does not receive the things of God. What am I telling us? We have to be willing to defend the wells that God has placed in our lives. Shout, defend the wells. Come on, i got to work you now. Say, defend the wells. Most of us, if we're not careful, we've been in so many generations that we want everybody to like us. We want everything to be smooth. But there is something that's got to be on the inside of a believer to experience what God has and to maintain what God has. And that's a tenacity. I'm telling you, the church is, it globally has lost the tenacity of heaven. And we're believing it's going to come back in the house of God. Come on, somebody. It doesn't mean you're rude to people. It means that you stand up for what is right. And you let the devil know, not today, devil. You might be knocking, but I'm not opening the door. You might be trying to pollute the well. But I want you to know, Abraham wouldn't allow you to pollute that well. Abraham would have stopped you and fought you if you tried to pollute that well. But all of a sudden, you think because he's gone and I'm here that you have a right to pollute the well of God? I'm letting the devil know, no, we are defending the wells of God. We are defending the flow of God's spirit. We are defending the moves of God. We are not allowing the enemy to pollute it with carnal thinking. The things that creativity is the epitome of a good service. Praise God for creativity. Praise God for excellence. But as, if everything's based, we have allowed the world to come and creep into the church. Yeah. We have used what the world is doing and say, that's a good idea. Let's do it in the church. 
in my opinion, creativity should be birthed out of the church. Because the Bible says wisdom gives you idea of witty inventions. I think the world should be looking at the church and saying, how are they doing what they're doing? How are they doing what they're doing? Because they can emulate excitement. They can, they can demonstrate energy. Some of us, you've been to a secular concert and secular uh, movie or something at a certain point, and you got goosebumps. You're like, wow, this is powerful. Well, that's the only problem is that for some people, that's, the, that's what they define as the move of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, I got goosebumps. And if that's all you know about God's presence is the goosebumps, then you get into a secular concert, and all of a sudden you got goosebumps, and you think, ooh, this is good. No, that's emotion. And when God moves, he moves by his spirit. Now, your emotion might react to that. But the world can move you emotionally. But they can't mimic the anointing of God. For it's the anointing that's bird removing and yoke destroying. Is anybody with me today? I'm kind of feeling isolated out here. Are you with me today? How many people know that there is wells that we, that we got to defend to keep the enemy, keep the world system, keep carnality out of? We don't need carnality in the move of God. We don't need the world system in the things of God. Are you with me? We're not weird. The peculiar of what Peter was talking about in the New Testament when he said you are a peculiar people, it doesn't mean you look weird and act weird. It means you are cut above the rest. We are the ones that are rise and shine. Jesus, Isaiah says, arise and shine for your light has come. But Jesus said you are light to the world. You are city on a hill that cannot be denied. We have to begin to regain our place of position of authority that God called us to be in. And it doesn't mean that you have to talk weird or be weird when you go through the drive-thru and start saying, mm, I think I'll take God. A, a, a double fry. Get out of that Chick-fil-A line. You're holding me up. I'm hungry. Don't be weird. God's not weird. But there is a place in the realm of the Spirit because we don't war after the flesh. We war after the things of God. We war in the realm of the Spirit where we can rise up and say, not today, devil. We're not letting you in. We will not tolerate that sin. I am tired of hearing of ministers that think it's okay to preach and work up a crowd emotionally and then go back behind the stage and have adultery with somebody. Sin is sin and it's wrong and it will separate you from God. We need to bring back the well of holiness in our lives. That I don't need to see how close to the world I can look and act and still make it to heaven. But people are saying, God, how close can I get to you and still be on the earth? Have a hunger and a thirst. It doesn't come because it could come. It doesn't come because it should come. It comes because men and women seek after righteousness and they shall be filled. Shall defend the well. Isaac didn't defend the well. As a result, he had to go back and start redigging the well. And he redug the wells of his father. I want to encourage you. You don't need to feel guilty. Just repent and just begin to say, God, areas of my life that I've allowed to. Maybe you, you grew up and they had a, a well, a revelation of God's blessing. And then someone talked you out of it. Maybe a revelation of God's healing. And they talked you out of it. Well, you know, they have a good point. I have a better point. Well, what about, they had a friend who had a neighbor whose cousin's third sister, and it, they, someone prayed for him and it didn't work. I don't know anything about that, but I know my Bible says, let all men be liars and God be true. 
Let's defend the well. Let's redig the well. Isaac redug the wells of his father. Isaac redug the wells. What was he saying? I want access to what my father had access to. Do you know what? It, you, now think about this. Think of the strategic tactic of the enemy. What, it was, what is one key thing that he attacks in, in people growing up is the relationship with their parents. And it's not always the kid and it's not always the parents. It takes two sometimes to tango. Come on, somebody. But what is the problem? Because if, if he can create a separation, then they'll not want what their parents had. And their parents might not have everything and might not know anything. I mean, not know everything. How many parents, how many people have parents that didn't know everything? So you had a parent that knew everything. God bless you. I'd like to meet them one day. The only one that has a parent that knows everything is my daughter to my right. And she, I'm I see, I saw you laughing. That's what I'm, I'm joking. And the devil will use what they don't know or what they didn't do to separate you from what they did know and what they did do. Now, I know my mom and dad used to pray a lot, but you know what? Look at this area, this area of their life. But they maybe had a well on the presence of God in their prayer closet. See, I grew up in a home that if I was going to do something wrong, and I just came to that revelation, if I'm going to do something wrong, I'm going to get caught. Because I didn't need anybody to tell on me. The Holy Spirit would tell on us. The Lord would speak to my parents, and they would get detailed directions on where we were at and what we were doing. And show up. That's one of the wells I grew up around. If we're not careful, as a second, third, fourth, fifth, and we, I did a thing. That, I mean, we have some families in here that are five and six generations deep. And we can be the, receive and benefit from the well. But if we lose sight of the price that was paid for that well, it will lose value. And the enemy will try to devalue it and devalue it inch by inch till one day you don't care if the world's polluting your well. Well, revival, that was from, that was good in this time. Healing, that was good. You know, praying, I don't know if anybody needs to pray. Let's just work hard and we'll be blessed that way. And that's good enough. And we should work hard. But if we're not careful, we'll let the world put a little more dirt. And we got to defend it. We have to redig the well. So redig the well. We got to draw near to God. Last but not least, we not only need to defend it, because Jesus said, Beware of the teachings of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, Matthew 6. He was saying be, to his disciples, be careful of the teaching you listen to. Because it'll pollute the well. It'll pollute the well. This idea that, oh, I'll just go anywhere and I can listen to anybody preach. Mm. Well, I'll just hop around churches. I wouldn't do that. You need to find where God wants you to be. And I believe it's here, but you've got to find that out for yourself. We don't pressure people. Because if they're not preaching the word, if they're preaching death and not life, they're going to pollute your well. Right. If they preach that God doesn't, want, God doesn't heal anymore or he puts sickness on you to teach you a lesson, they're polluting your well. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's no big deal. I can always go back. Yeah, but you might not have time to redig that well. 
you need to take it so seriously that I'm not going to allow anything to pollute, stop up my well. We need to guard our hearts, Proverbs says, for out of it flows the issues of life. Last but not least, we see the third thing that Isaac did. Isaac not only redug the wells of his father, are you listening to me? Isaac began to dig new wells. Praise God for all the things that our parents or grandparents had and experienced and we have reconnected and re-benefiting from. Amen? Are you listening to me? God is not done yet. God is not done revealing his word. He is not done introducing new ideas and concepts. And wherever you're at in the dynamic of your life, I'm telling you, there is new wells that can be dug to benefit you and your family and your children. I mean, it might be just in the practical, in education. You might be in a home and grew up that no one ever went to college, and you're the first one to break that ceiling. What's happening? As a result, it's a natural dynamic. The younger brothers and sisters, to see the oldest brother or sister break through that and go to college, you know what happens? They begin to think, well, they did it. Why not me? They did it. Why not me? We can choose to accept life by the defined parameters it has created for us, or we can choose, wait a minute, God, your word says that this is available to me. This is a promise. And I'm going to pay the price, and I'm going to have the passion. I need passion, and I need to be willing to pay the price. Because when Isaac, are you listening to me? When Isaac dug the new wells, he faced opposition. Oh, I don't want opposition. I want everybody to like me. I don't want any problems. I don't want challenges. I don't want to fast or pray. I just want everything to be smooth and easy. And you'll not have any wells dug. But if you're willing to say, God, I know that you have more in store for me. There's a greater anointing. There's a greater peace. There's a greater blessing. There's a greater healing. There's a greater whatever it might be. God, I'm finding in the promise of your word. And I might not have seen it in my own life. I might not have seen it in my family's life. I might not have ever seen it, but I see it in your word, Father God. And if it's in your word, I want to dig that well. God, I want to dig a fresh well. I want to dig a well that impacts my life. But I want to, listen, I want to dig a well that helps my children and helps my children, children. I want to, don't you want to live a life? I want to live a life that our, the impact that God uses to use you and make an impact in the world cannot be erased by one service or one funeral. What are we doing? We're going to dig some new wells. Dig some new wells. And it's not, a, it's not a matter of, okay, I'm just going to randomly create. It's saying, God, show me. Speak to my heart. What wells do I need dug? What areas of my life do I need to pursue your word and prayer and fasting and your word and speak the word and dig and get access to the flow of water for me and my generation? Every generation has a right to experience God. And each generation, regardless of what generation you're in, we are caretakers of that generation. Let's just not be concerned about us and our four no more. Let's begin to say, God, we want to see you bring something in this day and age for my generation. I don't care if you're 90 or 9. You know what I mean? Thinking, Lord, in my generation, I want to see the hand of God move. I need to dig. I need to do more. I need to do what you told me to do. Amen? Amen. Defend the well. Redig the wells. And dig some new wells. If you received anything from that today, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you to know about God. I'm not asking you to join a church, denomination, religion. 
I'm asking you this one question. Is Jesus Christ, in the way you process, experience, think, and relate, is Jesus Christ real to you today, right now? Is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself that He's real and your Lord and Savior? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure if He's my Lord and Savior, then this is your opportunity. This is your day. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that your sins could be removed and forgiven, so that you could know God, so that you can go to heaven and you can miss hell. And there's so much more after that. You don't have to live with that torment. You don't have to live under that weight of sin and guilt. Yes, you can be free. You can be forgiven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're, if you're ready to make things right between you and the Lord, maybe this is the first time you heard the gospel, or maybe you've allowed stuff to come between you and, and God, and your heart's not right, and you're ready to get it right. Let this prayer come from your heart. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord, Lord shall be saved. Romans 5 says that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What am I saying? Pray. Pray this prayer. Let it come from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, come into my life, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody shouted. Now look up here. If you prayed that prayer, I want to speak a blessing over your life. Just so I know who I was praying with at the count of three. Some people are high energy. Some people are like shy. So those of you who are high energy, respond quickly to help those and encourage those who might be shy. But what I want you to do at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, see again, I'm, one of my prayer points is that tenacity comes back to the house of God. We want to hide out in the church, but we want to stand out in the world. But it, you say, but I don't know if I want to stand in front of people. I, I get it. I'm the same way. I don't want to stand in front of people that don't know me and stand out. That's a normal understanding. But you know what the bigger struggle is? How do you stand up for Jesus in the world when they're trying to pollute your well? You hear me? And so there's, there's a, a boldness that comes. And that's one part of this prayer of blessing I'm going to speak over your life. Supernatural strength and boldness in your life. To stand up for him. So at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and meant business with the Lord, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. You don't have to move. Just stand to your feet and stay standing. One, two, three. Who am I talking to? Stand to your feet right now. I see that. God bless you. God bless, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. More people are to be standing. God bless you. Just stay standing if you would. I want to speak a blessing over your life. Anybody else before we pray? Stretch your hands towards somebody who's praying. Who's standing? Stretch your hands toward them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every person that's saved right now that just accepted you. And Lord, according to your word, I ask you to strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. Bless them. Touch them. We seal them with the blood of Jesus. 
give them a supernatural boldness and tenacity to stand up for you against the opposition of the enemy. We curse and bind every strategy of the enemy, every tactic of the enemy against them. Any person assigned against them to take them to hell, we break its, their command, we break their assignment. We set them free from that relationship and connection and send the right people in to take their place. Father, we thank you for blessing them right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. Give them a hand clap. Welcome to the family of God. You may be seated.